Tonight we are going to take a step out of our series on the book of Genesis. We've been in a series called Origin, and some of you were asking me about it this morning. What is Origin? What are we doing with Origin? Since we're jumping into life groups, what does that look like? And as I sat in my office this week and I was reading through the book of Genesis and I was processing through, God, what would you have us to do, knowing full well that we weren't going to be able to complete the book of Genesis? We had several, several chapters remaining, and I tried to figure out, do I want to take a moment and try to to cap all of the rest of Genesis into one message and what would that look like and and should we go that route and then I begin to think about life groups and what's coming down the pike and and how that's going to affect Sunday nights because we're no longer going to have Sunday night service but we're going to be around the community around the area around the region in homes and and what does that look like and I really felt that tonight I needed to take some time I needed to step out of the book of Genesis out of our series on Genesis and I need to take just a moment and I need to share with you the Sunday night crowd why life groups why are we doing life groups why are life groups really important why don't we just continue to do things as we have always done them why do we need to make a change so tonight I want to do just that I want to process through the whys of life groups and why are we doing that and and what benefit and what effect does it have on your life and on my life so in fact tonight is going to be the very last of our messages on the book of Genesis or the study of origin I would encourage you take some time read through the remainder of the book of Genesis let God speak into your life let God just kind of bring it to life for you there are some great things that I believe that we can still learn for the book of Genesis but I felt that it was more effective for us to take some time and talk about life groups than it was for us just to try to capsulize all of the rest of the book of Genesis I feel that that wouldn't quite do it justice of what it needed to be so I felt that this was the best mode of attack for tonight but let me share with you what is happening tonight and for the next few weeks as we're leading up to the launch of life groups as you know we are entering into a brand new season of this church and how many you know new seasons aren't always a bad thing how many of you how many of you love when winter time is coming to an end and suddenly flowers begin to bloom in your yard unless of course they are dandelions then that's a bad, bad, bad thing. But I love when, when flowers begin to, to begin to bloom and, and you see new life and the trees begin to bud. Why? Because a new season is upon us. As the church grows, there are times that we must step up and make some necessary adjustments in order to set ourselves up for the growth and the plan that God has set before us. Many years ago, several years ago, we launched a second Sunday morning service. Why? Because we were at a point in time when one Sunday morning service wasn't doing it. We were, we were filling up the worship center, and we knew that we as Americans like our comforts, and we couldn't continue to grow if we remained where we were. So a change was necessary. Now we are at a place where once again we need to make an adjustment in order to get to the place that God wants us to go that's where we've come to as a body of believers 
We are at a place and a time when a crossroads has been reached. In order to move forward into where we believe God is directing us, we must do all that we can in order to achieve the next step with God. Let me say that again. In order to move forward into what we believe God is directing us to do, we must do all that we can in order to achieve that next step with God that may require and is requiring us to make some changes. Before I really get into the logistics of why and how of life groups, let me take a moment and talk you through the next few Sunday nights and what's going to transpire. This week, we are going to talk about the whys of life group. In fact, I'm going to encourage every single one of you tonight to connect with a life group before you leave this place. I truly believe that every one of us, every person that calls Bethel Assembly their home, I believe that every one of us needs life groups. We need one another. We need times of growing in all aspects of life. We'll discuss this in greater detail in just a few moments. Next Sunday is going to be an absolutely amazing time. I'm really excited about next Sunday night. And normally, I don't announce when I'm not going to be speaking, but I wanted to take some time and announce this tonight. One of our own board members and recently called future missionaries is going to share his heart with us. Carrie Keys, who God called him and his wife and his family to the mission field. In fact, there he walks to the door right now. Carrie Keys is going to be sharing his heart with us next Sunday night. I'm excited about that moment. I wanted to give Carrie an opportunity to preach, and it seemed like this was the perfect time. So I want to encourage you be here next Sunday night. Let's encourage Carrie, but let's also learn from God at the same time. Then the last Sunday night of this month, August the 26th, as I stated a moment ago, is going to be our final sizzling summer. We'll be joining on the church property as a body of believers for a great night of, of fun and activities, simply building relationships and deepening our connection one with another. The next week, of course, is Labor Day weekend. And as always, we will not have a, a PM service on Labor Day weekend night because many of you don't show up. Otherwise, it'd be Pastor Andy and, and Jesse and my wife and, and maybe a couple of the worship team and we'd have a service together. So we will forego service that night as we normally do. Then the next Sunday, September the 9th, we will be launching Life Groups. It's going to be absolutely amazing. From that point forward, there will not be a Sunday evening service here on the church grounds. However, as I stated moments ago, Bethel Assembly will be represented all around the area. Let me say that again. Bethel Assembly will be represented all around the area. This past Tuesday night, I met together with the majority of our new life group host, and we processed through many aspects of life groups and what do they look like and what do they mean. And I'm excited to share with you that we have life groups all over the region. A total of 15 life groups will be meeting each and every week. Bethel Assembly is going to take this region by storm. Now let me read to you our text for tonight. 
There are two guys that have been sharing the good news of Christ. They've been processing through and, and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, and by the way, if you haven't read the book of Acts, those guys were awesome. The early church, they were serious about winning the lost. They were serious about making an impact for the kingdom of God. And here in Acts 17, Verse 6, it says, Paul and Silas have turned the rest of the world upside down, and now they are here disturbing our city. And I began to read that scripture, and I thought, God, let that be us. Bethel Assembly has turned the rest of the region upside down, and here they are now disturbing our city. I hear what you're thinking, Pastor. Why do we want to be a disturbance? Well, I looked up the word disturbing, and here is what I found. According to dictionary.com, disturbing means to interrupt the quiet, to cause a disturbance in someone's sleep. And I began to think about that, and here is what I discovered. We live in a society that is spiritually asleep. We live in a culture that is spiritually asleep. They are they, without the disturbance of waking them up, will remain in that state of sleep and never come to the place of truly waking up to the goodness of God. Therefore, it's our responsibility, Bethel Assembly, this house of God, this family of believers, we as Christians and as a church, it's our responsibility to awaken those that are in a slumber. Like Paul and Silas, they were turning their community upside down. They were causing a disturbance. We are called to make an end of the, of the sleep. To make them aware of their need to be disturbed. Therefore, we as a church are called to go into the area around us and turn our world, our community, upside down for the kingdom of God. I believe that one way that we can accomplish this is by the launching of life groups. I stated a moment ago, we're doing this in a major way. We're not just going to have one or two little groups here and there, but 15 life groups, 11 of them in this community, four of them in the surrounding areas. And I believe that's just the start. I believe that next semester when we launch our next group of life groups, I believe that number is going to grow each and every time. It's going to be absolutely amazing. This first semester is going to be 11 weeks long. We're going to take some time in each one of the life groups to have Bible study, to, to build one with another. But we're also going to have times of, of socials, of having fun and, and getting to know one another and to foster relationships. You see, our goal of life groups for Bethel Assembly is to grow in three ways. The first way is to grow spiritually i believe that we are called according to god's word to invest in one another to encourage one another to help one another to sharpen one another we need to grow spiritually if all that we ever do as a church is grow numerically or in other ways we've missed the mark we must grow spiritually we can grow numerically we can grow relationally but if we're not growing spiritually, we're failing to do what God's instructed us to do. We'll dive into this in just a few moments as we discuss the early church in Acts chapter 2. 
This spiritual growth is going to be accomplished through biblically-based studies and times of life group prayer. Every time you come together, the group is going to have times of praying one for another. Why? Because we value prayer. We're going to grow spiritually. We're going to grow numerically. And we're going to grow relationally. We all need one another. Proverbs chapter 27, I've used this scripture several times over the last couple of weeks. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need one another in order to be spiritually sharp. We can all learn from one another. And oftentimes the greatest way to learn is by group discussion, by processing one with another. We, you and I, both need life groups. We need this time of sharpening one another. But we won't just grow spiritually. I believe that we will grow numerically. As a congregation, I've stated this before, we are currently averaging approximately 300 every Sunday morning on the campus. This is great. However, I don't believe that God's called us to stop growing. I believe that God's called us to continue to reach more and more and more people. I shared it Wednesday night, but I believe that a growing church is a church that's doing the will of God. I believe the moment that we cease to grow and we have no desire to grow, I think we've fallen out of the will of God. Come on, I didn't have as much response on that. How, do, how can I make such a statement? Because the Bible tells us to go and, and make disciples. To reach the lost. To bring them in. We've got to be a people that are hungry, that are longing, that are desiring to reach the lost. To give them an opportunity to grab a hold of the good news of Jesus. I believe that we as a church are called to continue to reach them. I believe God's will is for every church to grow. So we are going to use life groups as an opportunity to invite the unchurched. Now I've had people ask me, does a person have to attend Bethel Assembly to attend a life group? The answer to that is no. The desire with that is once they come to the life group, they'll build a relationship and then they'll want to come. Are you with me? I've had somebody else ask, well, can somebody from another church attend a life group? They can, but that's not our target. I really don't care to reach the, the Baptists from across town. They have a church they're connected with. I, I really don't desire to reach the Methodists across town because they have a church they're connected with. I, I'm desiring or we're longing to reach those that are disconnected, that haven't found that family, that haven't found that connection with God. We're going to invest in one another. We're going to reach the lost. We're growing spiritually. We're growing numerically. See, this will give us an opportunity to invite them to come to church with, with us. The end goal would be to get them to attend a Sunday morning service to form a relationship with Christ. But let's take baby steps. Let's form that trust relationship with them. After all, we are called to go everywhere possible to reach the lost. And life groups is a great resource in making that connection. We will not only grow biblically, we will not only grow numerically, but I be believe it's vitally important that we grow relationally. The larger we become as a church, the smaller we must be. Let me say that again. The larger we become as a church, 
the smaller we must be. Here is what I mean by that. As we grow larger and larger, and I believe we are going to do that, there is no way that we can rely on a larger gathering like a Sunday morning service or even a Sunday evening service to, to foster deep relationships. Some people will press in. Some of you have a, a personality that's going to press in and you're going to get to know people regardless how many are in the room. Others of you are going to recluse back a little bit more. You're, you don't have that, that personality that jumps out in the middle that wants to be the center of attention. You'd rather hide in the shadows. And that's okay. We all have different personalities. So we can't rely upon a larger gathering to foster these relationships. We need smaller networks where we can invest in one another. Also, with multiple services, it's very easy to attend the same church and never ever know somebody that attends the opposite service. One of our goals of Life Group is to help us to rectify this issue. I want to process through with you for the next few moments on the importance of Life Groups and what impact they can and will make on your life. But before we dive into it, let me share two vitally important verses of Scripture on the early church. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 7. It says, day after day, they met together in the temple. They broke bread together in different homes. Let me say it again. They broke bread together in different homes homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Chapter 5 verse 42, every day they spent time in the temple and in one home after another. They never stopped teaching and telling the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Did you see what was happening? They were meeting together regularly in one another's homes. The New Testament church was having life group. It's what they were doing, folks. They were gathering together, they were eating a meal, and they were studying the good news of Jesus. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to meet in one another's home, we're going to eat a meal, and everybody says amen. That's what we do as good assemblies of God people. We eat meals for the full gospel of Christ. And we're studying the good news of Christ. That's what the early church was demonstrating to us. They had life group and people like crazy were coming to know God. In fact, if you continue in Acts chapter 2, the latter portion of verse 47, it says, And each day the Lord added to the group those that were being saved. Wow. So as they met together in homes, as one was sharpening the other. As one was encouraging or correcting or leading or guiding or mentoring or whatever it happened to be going on in that group, as they were investing in one another, the Bible says that, that the Lord, that God, added to the church daily those that were being saved. It's absolutely amazing. But I believe that God can do the same thing in and through the life groups of Bethel Assembly as he did in the life groups in the book of Acts. 
Amen? I mean, after all, isn't he the same God yesterday, today, and forever? If he did it then, and by the way, the Bible says that some water and some plant, but only God causes the increase. That's why it says, and the Lord added to the church. We can't save somebody, but we can invest in them. We can invite them. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. But it's God that brings them to that place of salvation. If he did it then, can't he do it now? Tonight, very quickly, I want to look at four benefits of connecting with a life group. I find it vitally important that every single one of us connects with a life group. I can't reiterate that anymore. We're believing God for 100% participation. What does that mean? That means we're believing that everyone will get plugged into a life group. Why? Because we all need it. We all need one another. We need those relationships. We need that sharpening of one another. We need to learn from one another. Let's learn from the book of Acts and what they did. And it worked for them. Why can't it work with us? Four benefits. Number one, you will find fellowship. Verse 42, they joined with other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing the Lord's Supper and in prayer you will find fellowship. Fellowship is one of those words that we don't use much outside of the church circle. We love it in the church circle. We're going to have a church fellowship. We use that a lot, but we really don't use it outside of the church. But I want to look at the original Greek word for fellowship that we find in the Bible. The word is koinonia. Look at your neighbor and say koinonia. Koinonia simply means being as committed to each other as you are to Jesus Christ. That's the fellowship that we're trying to foster, trying to develop, trying to find through life groups. It's being committed to one another just as you are to Christ. That's real fellowship. The Bible says that once you become a believer, that God wants you to become a belonger. Once you become a believer, he wants you to make a commitment. He wants you to be part of this family unit. He wants you to become part of the church, not just attending church, not just coming into church, but truly being a part of the family of God. I remember as a kid, every time a, a person joined the church, we would usher him to the very front of the church. Maybe your church did this also. We brought him right up front. And everybody in the congregation would stand and the musicians would begin to play in the key of F. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Do you remember the song? I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this far. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And we would celebrate, we would sing that over and over and over and over and over and over until every person in the congregation left their seat, made a line, and shook the hands of those individuals up front. We were celebrating this idea of community. We were celebrating this idea of you're now part of a greater family than you've ever been part of before. And I'm so glad to be part of this family with you. 
guys, that's what life group is all about. Fostering that family, being committed to one another. He wants us to be part of something greater than ourselves, building real community. It's being in right relationship with God and being in right relationship with others. Fostering real community is all about building that kind of relationship. It's investing in one another. And Life Group is going to give you that opportunity for you and for you, for you and for me. Unfortunately, the church universally hasn't done a very good job of building community. We've lost our focus. And it follows suit with what we do in society. I mean, quite honestly, I, I drive into my subdivision every night and I pull into my driveway and I hit that little button that opens the garage door and I pull into the garage and I shut the garage door behind me and I never really see anybody in my subdivision. And that's kind of what we do in church. We come in and we hit that little button and we find our seat and we sit down and we hit that button, the, the walls come down around us and we do our church thing, we hit the button, the walls come up and we walk out. But we were created for a greater community than that. Throughout the years, the church as a whole, corporately, has drifted into thinking that church is simply some place I go or I attend on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, or a, a Wednesday night. We ask questions like this. Where do you go to church? I've never asked somebody, what family of believers are you a part of? Right? We ask them, where do you go to church? Church has become a place that we go. We just hang out together. And the consequence for not investing one into another and a lack of fellowship is huge. Look at what the scripture says is the result when we don't build this kind of community. James 3.18, you can, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. In looking at this scripture, if we don't establish fellowship, there are going to be a few results. Number one is this, our communities will not be healthy and our communities will not be robust. I don't know about you, but I want our church, I want this family to be healthy. I've talked to some of you and your, your family unit, your blood relatives, you've got a family unit that's detached, that's fallen apart. I don't want our church family unit to be detached. I don't want our family unit to be dysfunctional. But I believe that with God's help and with investing in one another, with building these relationships, with doing the hard work, by speaking into one another's lives, by studying the Word of God together, I believe that our community of believers, this body of Christ, these family, it will be healthy, it will be robust. But if we don't do the hard work, if we don't invest in one another, we will fail in this step. If we don't establish fellowship, we will have a lack of dignity and honor. We won't treat one another with dignity. We won't treat one another with honor. 
We'll sidestep one another. We'll do our own thing and forget about everyone else. I had a, a young man walk up to me during prayer time this morning. And there's prayer going on. and The worship team is leading. He stopped in front of me and he said, Pastor, I said, what's going on? He said, I just want to let you know that my decision to, to attend this church is the best decision I've ever made. And I was like, man, I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad that you're with us. It's the best decision I ever made. Folks, we've got to invest in one another. If we don't establish fellowship, there will be no support or foundation for truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. If we don't build this church, if we don't foster this church it will fail to be what god has called it to be and therefore our pillar and our foundation will crumble if we don't establish fellowship people will miss their meaning for living did you know that you can attend church a church building every single week and really never plug into what god has called you to be it's possible because churches become a place you go and not a family that you're a part of. Romans 12, verse 5, the latter portion says, each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. We find our meaning, we find our purpose as we work together as a body, as we work together to invest in one another. There are a lot more things to say regarding this, but I need to, I want you to take to heart that if we aren't developing real godly relationships, that our personal life, our family life, and ultimately our community that we live in will suffer. Let me say that once again. If we do not develop real godly relationships, if we aren't investing in one another, then our personal lives, our family life, and our communities that we live in will suffer. How can I make such a statement? It was only when the early church was gathering together and investing in one another and developing this robust community that we find that God added to the church daily. Are you trekking with me here? It's only when they took the steps to invest and to build did we see the results of their hard work. I believe that as we invest, as we reach out, as we foster this family, that God in turn will bless. Not only individually, not only as a family, but in the communities in which we're disturbing. Our vision statement begins by making this statement. <clears throat> we exist to become a Christ-centered family, devoting ourselves to loving one another. This cannot be accomplished by just showing up on a Sunday morning or even a Sunday night. We have to fellowship regularly with one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, Let us 
think of ways. In other words, we're going to get outside of the box. We're going to get outside of the, the norm and the routine. We're going to think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect, look at your neighbors, they don't neglect. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Not mentioning any names here. I, I kind of feel that's the, the, the thrust behind that. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How many of you would believe if I told you tonight that God's return is closer today than it was yesterday? I remember growing up, and I've shared this before, man, it was a generation where it seemed like every single service, somewhere along the line, the pastor said something about, the rapture's about to happen. And we were always thinking about the return of Christ. We were always longing for that to the point that mom and dad, when they said they were going to be home at 7 o'clock, if they weren't home at 7 o'clock, I was on the couch with the curtains open wide going, did the rapture happen? Okay, Harold and Jackie are still at their house across the street, and they attend our church, so the rapture couldn't have happened yet. Anybody else like that? But I want you to know that the return of the Lord is, is closer today than ever before. Our time is running short. Our time is running now out. There is an essence, an urgency for us to begin to share the good news of Christ, devoting ourselves to loving one another. And here it says, so let us think about ways. Let's be creative. Let's get outside of the box. Let's shake things up a little bit. That's what we're doing. We're shaking things up a little bit. And as we sat in the staff meeting several, several months ago, and we began to look at where we are currently, and, and quite honestly, up to that point, it really hadn't crossed our mind to, to make this drastic change. But we began to, to sit there as a group and begin to process, God, what would you have us to do? It just made sense that we've got to think outside of the box. We've got to look for ways to encourage one another to promote one another, to show acts of love and, and good works to one another. We've got to not neglect meeting, but look for opportunities to build those relationships. Because I believe that as we begin life groups, as you plug in to life groups, you are going to find very quickly that you have a place to fellowship. You're going to find a group of individuals that invest in you and have that same connection with you that they have with Jesus Christ, our Savior. The second benefit is this, you will reach beyond yourself. This is so not 2018. 2018 would tell you don't reach beyond yourself, look to yourself and that's all you need to worry about. But the Bible says in Acts 2.46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They shared their meals. They shared life. Two of our core values that we discovered over the last several weeks are unity and people. The only way that we can become unified is to begin to share life with one another, to get on the same page and move in the same direction, begin to work toward the same goal. It all begins with sharing. Also, if we truly value people, it's time that we stop focusing on self and begin to focus on others. We are instructed by Jesus to love one another and to love God. These two forms of love cannot be separated. 
Jesus himself said they are equal. Love God, love people. Life Group will give you that opportunity to invest in one another in good times and in bad times. How many of you remember back to kindergarten? None of you. I remember kindergarten. I remember nap time. Nap time was good. Mrs. Crutz was my kindergarten teacher. We met in the old schoolhouse there in St. James. We were separated from the rest of the school, but we had our own building, and, and we would meet in that room, and the, the floors were hardwood floors, and, and we were to bring our own um, rug to take a nap on, and mine was kind of a, a cream colored with fringe edging because we didn't have those fancy yoga mats that kindergartners have now. We had just a rug on a hardwood floor, and we liked it. But I remember in kindergarten, over and over, we were taught to share. Do you remember? Maybe, maybe you've instructed your kids and you told them a hundred times, if not a thousand times, you need to share with your brother. You need to share with your sister. You need to share with your friends. Yet when it comes to our personal lives, suddenly we become a candidate for the TV show Hoarders. We try to keep everyone else away. We try to hold on to everything ourselves, and we don't want to share anything. But we demonstrated, we saw demonstrated in the book of Acts that the early church shared more than just their food. They shared their life, their joys, their hurts, their victories. They shared their life. They walked through all of life together, one with another, sharpening one another as they went along. That's what we are called to do. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 and 3 says share each other's burdens. How do we share one another's burdens when church is a place that we come but it's not something that we do? How do we share with one another's burdens when we just come in and, and sit in the seat but we never foster those relationships? Share with each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ he goes on to say this, if you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself, you're not that important. Wow, that's deep. I'm glad that he said that and I didn't say that. Man, we've got to learn to obey the law of Christ. We must become a support system one for another. Yes, we will share a meal, but we will also share life together your life your life group is going to be those individuals that when you have the difficult moment when you're having that struggle when you have that hurt but when you have that celebration when you have that good time you're going to share that one with another why because you fostered a relationship you're building a family benefit number three of life groups you will start doing you won't just exist you won't just come in and, and fill a seat, but you will start doing it. I believe that too many churches miss the mark and think that the church is just a building that they attend. We're called to do so much more. James chapter 2, verse 22 says this. You see, his faith and his actions work together. His faith... And his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. 
God never meant for us to merely come to church. Let me say that again. God never meant for us just to have a place to come and be quote-unquote entertained. Quite honestly, we're not that good of entertainers. You're going to get bored with us. I was talking to somebody this morning, and they said, yeah, so-and-so left early this morning. A young adult was sitting over here. I said, where'd he go? I don't know. He must have got bored. We're not that good of entertainers. There's got to be something more. Church isn't just a place that we sit in a seat. It's not just a buffet that you sit up close to the buffet and feed yourself. We are called to go out to make a difference. Our vision statement ends by making this statement. All while making a positive impact for Christ in our community. Look at the whole completion. To become a Christ-centered family, devoting ourselves to loving one another. Wow, that's life groups there, isn't it? We're devoting ourselves to loving one another, honoring our Lord and reaching the lost. That, that's life groups encompassed right there. All while making a positive impact for Christ in our community. Did you know a disturbance can be a positive impact? We're turning our world, our community, upside down for Christ. That's what we're called to do. We must get outside of these walls and make a positive impact for Christ. Life Groups is going to give you that opportunity. That opportunity to not only invest in one another, but the opportunity to go outside of the church walls, serving your community. I've encouraged the Life Group host to look for opportunities to serve. Maybe it's contacting Habitat Humanity and, and building, helping build a house. Maybe it's contacting one of the schools and, and your whole life group is mentors or maybe you decide to repaint the school during the summertime. Maybe there's an elderly person that you just want to bless and you want to take over all of their yard work and bless them. But we've got to learn to serve our community, to serve our neighbors, to invest in those outside of our circle of influence. Truly be the church. I know. Poof. Not just exist as a church. But truly be the church. That's what we're called to do. Now there's a fourth benefit. And I believe you're getting close. You all are eager to jump out of your seats. You're eager to run back to that table in the back and grab a pamphlet and, and fill that out. You're eager to plug into a life group. But let me share with you the fourth benefit of why you need to join a life group. Number four, you will discover support. There is not a single person in this room that can make this statement. I don't need support. I don't need anyone else to speak into my life. There's not a single one of you that can make such a statement. Every one of us needs somebody. Every one of us needs someone else. Just as we need to invest in those around us. Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I don't know, I don't want to attend that church because there's nobody who wants to talk to me. I've been there for many years and nobody will talk to me. Well, the Bible says it's a two-way street. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. If you want 
somebody to invest in you. You've got to reach out and invest in them. It goes on to say, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. You may come here every single week, service after service, and still feel as though you have no one here that you call a friend. You have no one here to share the struggles in life that you're facing. You may feel like you're losing the battle, you're struggling. I want you to know tonight that you need friends that will keep you accountable when you mess up. You need friends to celebrate with you in the good times. You need friends that can pour in to your hearts. You need friends that will help you when you're afraid. You need a life group. You need a network of support. Many folks are shy or expect someone else to approach them first in order to be a friend. But that's not what the scriptures teach. You may, in fact, have to take the first step. Just think, if everyone would be obedient to fulfill this passage, we would all be reaching out to somebody all the time. If every single person that calls Bethel Assembly their home, if every one of us, regardless, oh come on, this could get tough, regardless if we're an extrovert or an introvert, if every one of us would reach out beyond ourselves, we would continuously be investing in somebody. The Bible tells me in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, then others can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying together can keep warm, each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We were not created to be alone. The book of Genesis tells us it's not good for man to be alone. We need friends. We need a family. We need a life group. Tonight, I want you to consider the benefits of life groups. We are believing once again for God to pour out upon everybody's heart that 100% participation will go into this endeavor as we grow and become what God has called us to be. That means we need you, I need you, the church needs you to get involved in life groups. In the lobby, there's a table with all 15 of our life groups posted. I want to encourage you tonight, before you leave this place, get signed up for a group. Right now in this room, there are some of you, I can hear your thoughts. There are some of you that are coming up with a myriad of excuses of why you do not need to join a life group. Can I ask you one thing? Would you pray about it? Would you ask God, God, do I really need a community of believers to invest in? God, do I really need this group of friends to sharpen me? God, do I really need to speak into somebody's life? 
See, I believe that every one of us needs one another. You have something to contribute. Whether you realize it or not, oh, pastor, I don't have anything to contribute. Yes, you do. You've lived a lot of life. You've learned a few things. Anybody learn a few things through life? Just a little bit. Yeah, we all have things that we can share with one another. I'm believing that God is going to use these life groups to take Bethel Assembly to a brand new level. To bring us to a place that we've never been to as a church. Now is the time to act. Now is the time to respond. It's not going to take another night off your, off your schedule, off your week. It's simply going to occur on Sunday nights, a time when you've been here anyway. Let me encourage you, be a part. Be a part of this next season, this new season of Bethel Assembly. Let God use you. Let's begin to live life together to truly become the family that God's called us to be. I believe there's a great benefit to life groups. I'm hoping and I'm trusting tonight that as you've sat in here and as you've heard about what the early church did, I'm hoping and I'm trusting that you see the importance. And I'm believing tonight when you leave this place that God's going to stir upon your heart. That you, you need life groups, but also that life groups needs you. God, what's speaking to our lives tonight?